Hey, Kevin. Hey, Bob. <laughs> a little weird <laughs> delay there. We, we need to get better at these because I think for the last N number of episodes, it's like, hey, Bob. Hey, Kevin. You know, just, well, I don't know. Maybe think, we need pyrotechnics. I, oh, you know what I asked you for last? Because breaking news, we have our own uh, editor, if you will. And I I'm asked, calling him editor producer. Well, I asked for the audio version of pyrotechnics, and I don't even know what that means. But I maybe we should start well, the show with that. We'll get. I'll, I'll since now it's in the audio. Josh will hear it, and then I can say that I've asked Josh what audio pyrotechnics are. So yeah, because All you right, know so that is definitely when you want to get people jazzed on some visual, you like just throw it at them and just like blah blah blah. So I don't know what the audio version of that is, but. Are we a are we an audio pyrotechnics kind of show though? I have no idea what that even means. I'm just saying we got to do better than hi Bob, hi Kevin. Well, I do it because we'd never really say who we are. I mean, yeah, the intro gets dropped in and it, it, we go through that, but sometimes that comes in late. I've actually heard that Josh wants us to keep it up front, so who knows when he'll drop it in? But uh, we'll we'll see. I wonder <laughs> if there's like a standard podcast formula that you should this is the plan you know or when you put in all that stuff is it can you only put the uh the intro n number of minutes or seconds in you know i want to know well remember when we first started doing this we did we opened the show like we didn't do any like banter it was just like you're listening and then we decided that we would try a cold open and then some episodes we were like 35 minutes in and then it'd be like the intro. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay, right? I don't know. So that's why we've hired an editor producer to help us get better at that kind of stuff. You are listening to the Bob and Kevin show with Bob Beatty Bar and Kevin Gisheski. Each week we cover relevant tech and social issues related to technology. Our website is bobandkevin.show. And our episodes can be found virtually on any podcast network. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Bob and Kevin Show. Hey, did we mention... We're going to pat ourselves on the back here. Did we mention the fact that we were in Podcast Magazine? That is actually on my show notes list. Very well done. Thanks. Remember, we don't rehearse these. But yes, no, we haven't mentioned it on an episode, but we were. We are actually right now currently in the August edition of Podcast Magazine as the featured tech podcast. And allegedly this I think this podcast magazine is a print magazine um, as well as digital, right? Yeah, I got to actually get back to Laura because I didn't really understand her email about the printed copies. So we might have to arm wrestle to see who gets the free one and who has to pay for the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, be pretty interested to ever see our podcast in print, though it is definitely in digital on podcast magazines, uh, digital downloads. So that's awesome. Yes. And thank you to and Laura you, and, and the podcast yes. magazine for uh interviewing us it was great if you read the article 
uh, this would be good to get some listener feedback. Uh, if you read the article, apparently we slant toward comedy uh, as a tech flavor. If comedy Fake and tech news. are flavors. so uh it'd be great to get some feedback on that and speaking of feedback i heard that we're actually supposed to um humbly request reviews and stars on formats like apple podcasts and places like that where you'd find finer podcasts like the bob and kevin show because we're on all of them and um some reviews and some ratings that'd be pretty cool so you're saying we're on apple podcasts right (laughs) we are we're not in the apple app store are we we're not in the app store no because then we'd have to be required to have in podcast purchases and we don't have any purchases <laughs> you know else's who you know who Who's else not? isn't on the the uh, apple pod uh or the uh store epic i just saw the headlines come out that apple finally make good on their uh threat and they've revoked all of epic stuff i did hear though that the um the rendering engine part of that did go to court and they have put a cease and desist on them blocking the the game engine like so other companies that are using yeah and then yeah injunction thank you big word alert big word alert <laughs> but yeah so that part at least stayed but apparently epic is is out <laughs> makes you wonder i mean obviously they want to be in the app store anyway i don't want to make this episode about epic i'm gonna stop right there if you'd like to learn more about epic and all that listen to our last podcast wherever as bob would say finer podcasts are found and that would be episode 76 for those of you oh man we're closing in on 100 you know i don't know should we have a celebration at 100 I, we definitely should have a celebration. At should give away stickers. I don't know what that celebration. Give away stickers or something. In fact, we've. You can have a sticker right now. If we don't have, you don't have to wait till you get to a hundred. All you have to do is get a hold of me or Bob, preferably me, because I've already said I'll I'll send them free postage paid anywhere in the world, and it's like a dollar to send to Australia. That'll come out of this guy's pocket right here, the one talking. <laughs> if you want one, and if you're in Australia, or if you're in Indiana, or if you're in Colorado, or if you're in uh, that. That one place and uh, where Disney World's at, Florida, California, you name it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we, we ship to the entire contiguous world. That's right. <laughs> we, we will not ship to All Mars yet. Dime. Logistics are a little more difficult. So we'll get there. We are on the waiting list with Elon to, to ship stickers to Mars, though. For real, though, if you want some stickers and I, I've got some uh, coasters, I'll even, I'll even try to... Get you a coaster. Oh, wait, Bob, if somebody wants refrigerator magnets. Oh, yeah, I got those, too. You've got all this stuff, too, right? We've got to to unload some of this swag because I don't need a pile of magnets, stickers and coasters. So if you'd like a Bob and Kevin show fun pack, how should somebody get a hold of us, Bob? Damn it. I was going to ask you that question. (laughs) You should reach out to us on Twitter. Yes. uh, Twitter slash Bob and Kevin show. Uh, and you'll find us there. You can, the DMs are open as the kids say, or you can just add us and we'll figure out a way to get you the stickers. Yeah. I, I think or the fun pack sending us a direct message with uh, Hey, your show sucks or Hey, your show's great. Either one will work. As long as we get an address, we'll probably send you something. So I think that'd be great. Here's one that doesn't work. Don't send us a direct message about the betting line on one of the next NBA games because we got one of those earlier this week too. So <laughs> did we? 
Yes, we did. You know, I definitely don't keep track of the show email. I should probably keep track of the show mentions, but as long as you got that covered, we're good. Yeah. And once I remember what our email address is, I'll look at that again. Um, So, Kevin. Yes. I have two topics slated for today's episode. I will let you pick one or two, and we could start there. Like topic number one or topic number two. Yeah, it's kind of like what's behind door number one. Yeah, but this is like a magic two. trick because if I'm holding, you know, two things that pick a hand, does that mean you're going to, we're going to pick the, you know, go with the one you picked or is that the one you're going to take away? So I don't know if Damn I... Damn it, you know me too well. So yeah, this is basically just a ruse. Okay. In the spirit of whatever, um, let's go with number two, Bob. Radio magic. Right. You're going to go with number two? Number two. Oh, great. Because number two is something that's near and dear to all of our hearts in this work from home era. That is the topic of Zoom fatigue. What that is and are we experiencing it? Is it real? Or is it, you know, like cancel culture? Episode 75 for for record. Well, like any good topic, Bob, can you define zoom fatigue for the average listener and maybe me too the thoughts and opinions of bob and kevin of the bob and kevin show are exclusively the thoughts of bob and kevin and not the thoughts of their employers past present and probably not future so it's funny um zoom fatigue the concept of that actually came out it's actually something that came out before the work from home era because video conferencing became popular well before we were all sent to work remotely. But, um, it, I, before we get into zoom fatigue, I find it funny that that, that categorical name zoom fatigue actually applies to teams meetings applies to, you know, Google meet Google Hangouts, whatever they're calling it these days. So all those video conferencing utilities that can be used for both personal and professional use. So Side since note, we're talking does, about work. Does Google Meet make you hungry? Because unless you know how it's spelled, <laughs> you may think it's like some market. So I'm just saying, all right, continue. <laughs> yes, because, you know, <laughs> Amazon got into uh, Whole Foods. So there you go. Google's now doing uh, animal meat products. Now, no, when you think true. of Google Meet, you're going to be like, steak. Why do I think steak? You're welcome, Bob. <laughs> you're welcome. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. So anyway, what I was saying is that the funny thing is that Zoom is basically the Kleenex of video conferencing. Explain. Yeah. So every facial tissue is called Kleenex, whether it's Kleenex brand or not. Right. Right. Kind of like Xerox became the copying machine. Like rollerblades, I think they lost their trademark because everyone started calling inline skates rollerblades and Band-Aid. You can't just call it Band-Aids anymore. They're Band-Aid brand because they're trying right. to retain that trademark. Got it. Yes. So yes, Zoom is as the Kleenex of video conferencing tools. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. I just think it's funny that, you know, no matter what the conferencing tool is, it's Zoom. Uh, Zoom fatigue is the the coined phrase. Uh, another tangential thing that, of course, we do all the time. Does your do you utilize Zoom as a, a work communication tool? Yeah, and I'll keep it light. So I've recently transitioned employers, and I, I'm going from a Google Hangout environment to a uh, Zoom environment. We are also a dual environment, Zoom and Microsoft Teams. Do your kids use Zoom for remote learning? 
Uh, they do, but they haven't actually experienced remote learning since uh, the end of last school year in the spring. So we haven't done it yet. So I'm assuming it's going to be Zoom again. So I only have one child left in school. She attends university here in Colorado and they use Zoom as their e-learning platform. She's in a hybrid situation at school. She's living at school. She only has one class that meets in person. And funnily enough, it's a weightlifting class. So I don't know how they would do that as a remote learning class anyway. But the first day of classes were Monday this week. And do you know what happened Monday this week in the world of Zoom communications? Yes. So you're going to expose the fact that I'm a big liar. I said I went to a Zoom environment because Zoom was down on Monday. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually been working off Hangouts most of the week. So... You have not transitioned back to Zoom, even though that was just a temporary hiccup? We had an all hands today. We had about 60 faces in one Zoom, which I don't even know if Hangouts can do that, but that's what happened. So it's working now. Yeah. We use Zoom for our bigger meetings. I've been on where people have been pushed all the way back to screen six. Side note real quick. So, I mean, when you... In, back in the day, you had like WebEx, you've got all these different, you know, go to meetings. Uh, let's, you know, I don't know. There's a bunch of different video conferences. But at what point did the world move away from Skype and to Zoom? And, you know, it's just like all of a sudden, Zoom, 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 Zoom. Zoom is everywhere. And it just like felt like it happened overnight. You and I have used Zoom a lot, but I think, you know, how, how did we get to Zoom? Where'd that come from? So I think it was probably a perfect storm because when Zoom came out, which was quite some time ago now, um, it really wasn't a very popular choice platform. It was kind of an also ran. And so Skype, I feel like Skype and Google Hangouts or whatever Google was calling theirs at the time, um, those were kind of the two main ones. And right about the same time that this giant work from home era started to transition, even slightly before, Microsoft was moving away from the Skype brand and working on their new Office 365 integration with Teams. And I think the fact that that didn't have a lot of traction um, really helped make Zoom a viable alternative for large scale meetings. And I think the fact that you mentioned earlier, you didn't know if teams could even, I mean, not teams, uh, hangouts could even handle that capacity of a call. They probably weren't even looked at for that. Even if you were a Google shop, they probably went outside for their larger meetings and zoom was there waiting with open arms. So you'd mentioned teams. I've used teams a little bit. I can't stand teams. I'm, I'm so a slack person. Um, what do you think of Teams? Yeah, um, that's a tough one. We, as a team, that's one of the, that might be the actual biggest thing that I hate about Teams is its <laughs> name, <laughs> because you set up a Teams team or a Teams channel, but anyway, can I call you on Teams? I just uh, just well, don't just like it. Microsoft can't name because Bing. Who likes Bing, you know. <laughs> hey, you want to Bing that? No, I don't want to Bing. It. If if I Bing it, I'll still Google it. If you know what I mean, I'll use I'll use Bing to Google. <laughs> you know, if that makes right. any sense. Google is the Kleenex of searching now. Exactly. exactly. Lowercase um, G Google, not uppercase yes, G. Right. <laughs> um. Sorry, your question was Teams. Yes. What about it? What was the question? Uh, well, so. 
I, I don't know if I have a question. I'm just going to make comments here. So oh, teams versus Slack. That's what it was. Teams versus Slack. So teams has got built in video. Um, Slack's got built in video, but I hate both of them, to be honest. If I'm going to do a video conference, I actually love Slack, but I'll, I'll refrain from calling somebody directly on Slack because I don't even know if you can do more than just one to one on Slack teams. You definitely can, but isn't right. it funny how zoom and hangouts are still kind of like the, the big dogs, if you will. And their chat portion of those two apps are absolutely atrocious. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's probably why we're on both. I think we use Slack for the team communication, you know, typewritten communication, to get it out of email. And then we use teams specifically for video communication. Now we are trying to set up channels where there is ongoing project communication, but it's still not there. They actually have an Asana um, clone that they're working on too called Microsoft planner, I believe. And uh, it's still very much in its infancy, but I do like the aspect that they do like about teams is the integration with all those other tools. So you basically, you know, OneDrive, SharePoint, uh, project planner, like all that is integrated basically in one can be integrated in one UI. It's, I think what I find with software that tries to be that, uh, ambitious is it unfortunately not any singular part of that platform is actually very strong. So, so that's to, my biggest challenge. So to bring it back teams. to zoom fatigue. So I just want to kind of break down the definition there. Basically, are we getting weary of having to do video conferencing all the things, right? Yes. So remember before work from home, I don't know about you. I had a lot more phone calls. Like people would call my work phone. Nope. I don't get any calls on my work phone now. <laughs> well, so, yeah. so did you have video conferencing even before this work from home surge? Yes. And it inspired a single cell comic that I did. And imagine, and what I did is I drew a person inside of a snow globe and, and they were interacting with people on the outside and they put, you know, I was, imagine it's me. I'm putting my hands on the snow globe and, and thinking the only way I can communicate outside this globe is through video conferencing. That's kind of what it felt like for me for a while. This is what re remote workers are. Everyone's getting to have fun outside the snow globe, but here I'm trapped in my snow globe. I can't interact directly with you. You know, I'm in my little bubble here. Now what? We're all in snow globes, just distributed everywhere. And now everyone kind of feels kind of what a remote worker uh, has endured. But I'm, I'm starting to feel like this is like a not normal uh, work from home feeling anymore. I feel like... This is like a really new, strange new normal. I mean, we've normalized working from home. It's almost weird now to go from, oh, well, we don't work from home. We don't allow that to, wow, you work from at the office? Whoa. You know, and that happened in the span of less <laughs> than six months. It's just like, wow. That was, well, that's it happened in the span of, yeah, three months, three weeks. So I was actually interviewed uh, with a group of people last night at our church. We we got a uh, we received a grant from somewhere, and I feel terrible for not knowing the name of the organization. <laughs> anyway, we got, we got a grant from them, and then they asked us, you know, well, what positive things have come out of the pandemic? And the thing we mentioned was, well, we 
we were able to pull together a live stream because it was really the survival of the church, if not, because nobody can come here. And if you want to get a message out, this is what's going to happen. So I'm looking at the whole work from home thing as a positive that came out of the pandemic so far. Hey, look, it took a pandemic to show everybody a proof of concept that we can all just work wherever you exist. That's yes. And that's so awesome. Yeah. The, the breakdown of the, the, the belief that you have to be inside the four walls that the company owns to be productive. I do really definitely appreciate that. But do you think, okay, so this kind of bridges to a different thing. Do you think you and I, I'll answer this question for me separately though. Do you think you or I are less susceptible to the concept of zoom fatigue? Basically it's, you know, being on camera all the time. Um, do you think because we're remote, we, we had more of an immunity built up to that? I think we're definitely battle tested for it. However, you know, it's awkward interacting with somebody who's not used to it. Um, but, I think it's, it's, people are quick studies. It's, you know, it's not like a really long learning curve. This is how you work from home. But it, pe- some people are uncomfortable and need um, interaction. So one thing that I noticed was even though I was a remote worker, nothing changed for me. When everyone else started working from home, what was really weird is I felt even more disconnected somehow, some strange way. I'm like, wait a second. How do I feel more disconnected even though they're now technically more accessible and i think to to answer your facial expression you're giving me and i think the reason is is because the people on the other side aren't don't don't know how to express themselves very well yet through this medium wow so my experience was completely opposite and i was going to get to this later in the conversation too so when our fairly large team became a remote workforce everyone knew that i had been doing this for a very long time and so in the beginning it was like hey we can ping bob and ask you know like for tool sets or not even ask for tool sets but just like you know oh bob's used to being at home all the time um so i felt like i had a lot of initial communications just based on that but then it just became a normal practice for something that could have been a text conversation. Hey, is it okay if I just call you on teams, which only for a very brief time meant an audio call. It like that lasted less than a week, I think. And then everything was video all the time, every time, all the time. Hey, let's just jump on a quick teams call. And I think that I mean, you and I are very familiar with the concept and I think any developers that listen to the show of context switching. So like that makes development incredibly challenging. It makes writing incredibly challenging. Um, so when you're trying to get in a flow and there's not a meeting scheduled and someone is like, Hey, I have this thing that I'd really like to bounce off of you. Can we do a quick call? And I don't think I've said no to any of those, which that's on me for not having boundaries. So that's exhausting. Let me give you some just different perspectives. So oftentimes I would, I am a, well, I need to engage person X. How do I engage them? I could send them an email and I'm going to shake my head. No, I'm not going to send them an internal email. (laughs) I could 
ping them on Slack. I could put an appointment on their calendar, but if it's a trivial thing, you, know, you start running down this, hmm, what's the best way to do it? So what I've settled on is I will ping somebody through a direct message typically and just ask them if I can ask them a question. And a lot of times I'll get the answer, sure, but oftentimes I'll get, hey, how about at nine o'clock or hey, you want to schedule a get together on that because they kind of get an idea that's going to be a little longer discussion. So, uh, and then I'm in a new job and so I, I'm not sure what protocols are and whatnot. And so I'm kind of in that, well, I'm, I have a lots of questions, but I know that every time I, <laughs> I ping somebody, I'm interrupting them. And right. I think at the end of the day, the person who receives a message has a few responsibilities and they have to, eventually acknowledge the message they they are not obligated to acknowledge it right away and then they are absolutely at liberty to say no not right now i'm in the middle of something how about we schedule something for x yeah and pick a time and the whole idea of a quick call you can certainly ask but it's i think it's totally within reason to say no i can't right now i'm in the middle of something I think in an environment where there's a net zero power dynamic, so like colleague to colleague, I think you can have those types of communications. But, you know, shortly after this work from home thing kicked in, you saw articles cropping up about what is the proper video call etiquette? You know, and, and it's kind Wear of similar pants. to what you said. <laughs> well, well, yes. But ping, ping the person first and say, are you available do you have a couple seconds, whatever, and then get their, get their consent to establish a video call or any kind of communication. But then there's always that person who is just like, oh, I need to call Bob. And then they just click the video button. And then all of a sudden your Teams is ringing. I've actually <laughs> never like, had that happen. Uh, see, so I, it might it be a might cultural be, thing. It might, it's, it's definitely, I think it's cultural. I think it's size, um, you know, uh, company size. And I think it is, um, structural dynamic as well, because to be fair, sometimes that would happen pre pandemic where my phone would just ring without like, you know, but with the phone, I feel like, I don't know, seeing this is that weird it thing. Get a voicemail. This, <laughs> yeah, it could. But also teams can as well. Okay. But I feel like in this environment, there's a compelling to pick up. And th and this could be me with my personal boundary issues, 100%. But I think some of the things that I'm reading about Zoom fatigue, I'm not the only person that that experiences that. I think it's unreasonable. And because Zoom, Zoom, I uh, I think we have to deliberately both join the meeting. Same with Hangouts. It's it, you can call somebody, but it's kind of like not the norm. But on Teams or Slack, you can say hit the phone icon, and you can it'll just dial. And I think that is poor form for somebody to just hit that without a uh, preemptive. Hey, mind if I give you a call first? Because the answer could really be no. Hey, I'm doing something. Hey, I'm in a meeting. Hey, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. No is now is not good. You know, that's just my opinion. And it would probably be better for me if I established a work habit of changing my status when I'm in focus time, you know, but those windows are so tight for me to, to add a step to, to change my status, to say not available. <laughs> 
(laughs) could be the thing that trips me right back, you know, into context switch mode. So I often don't set that status. So people will see me as green and that's the green light to place a call. (laughs) There's the opposite end of that. So let's say somebody pings you and you don't get back to them. That other person's going to start wondering because that happened to me a lot. Um, in particular where it's like hey blah 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 and i don't hear back for an extended period of time and you see this person interacting online it's like do i smell <laughs> you know what, what, is this something with me what's going on here you know so yeah. I, I think it's incumbent to acknowledge the message but it's not at all obligatory to submit to whatever it is they're asking hey can i call you right now no you can't <laughs> you know hey Oh, uh, you because you can deflect that like a goalie. You can play goalie and be like, no, but go ahead and see if there's something on our calendars, you know, if if you need to really get together. And if they need, well, I need this thing right now. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, you know, I, I'm I'm weighing that. You know, it should be implied that yes, I'm I'm weighing all this and I still have to say no, because maybe you're in a already already in a meeting. You know, maybe you're you're nine steps through the the testing phase and you, you just can't be bothered right now because it's all in your head right now. And yeah, one more step. No, go away. So I don't think it's unreasonable. And to be fair, most of the time, every time I ping somebody, I feel like, Oh my gosh, I could have just broke somebody's concentration. And that, you know, is crappy, you know? Yeah. I do feel bad about that sometimes. I don't know. I mean, when this whole thing started, I was in the middle of writing some of the most challenging code that I've written professionally. And I painted myself into a corner three times, basically. And I blame it 100% on context switching. (laughs) So uh, at jobs, context switching is a known phrase, um, I would think, in in our industry. And it's good that people are aware, you know, that it's difficult you know it's why we can only do so much you know i had an argument with somebody not that long ago not really an argument but uh you know humans can only do yes (laughs) humans can only do one thing at a time and somebody said oh that's not true i can do a bunch of things at a time i'm like no 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 you can actually only do it once you can multiplex meaning you can do this step you know thing now switch and do this now do this but you can only ever do one thing at a time and the more you multiplex the more wires can get crossed and things like that. And a computer can only do one, a computer core can only do one thing at a time too, you know, and that's why we have, you know, multiple cores and stuff like that. That's truly doing multiple things at once because it's multiple instances. So, you know, we, we all have our different philosophies of getting work done. Some people want to get the task done and then stop, you know, answer calls, whatnot, go to the next task, get it done that's nice and clean. That's probably not typical because we get bombarded all the time with, Hey, this, Hey, this client called, they, they need this. Hey, this broke. You're going to need to drop everything. That's reality. And, um, you as a person, me as a per- actually all of us, we have to triage. What is it that you want? Is it this important that I need to pay the, pay the tax of context switching right now? We have to make those decisions quick, and we, you know, I, I, again, I think it's a cultural thing. You got to set that boundary. Your words, good word. You know, I would love to, but I have to be a little bit selfish right now and finish the task I'm working on. You know, 
so that I can also help you. And yes, I realize that it blocks you, but that's where I need you to multiplex on your next task while you wait, <laughs> you know, or whatever yeah. that is. So what do you think, or do you think that some of this, um, eagerness to turn everything into a video call, um, where before it was scheduled meetings, group of people would come into a room, you kind of almost had to check calendars to make sure that could happen. Do you think some of that is contributing to longer hours being clocked during this new work from home era? For me and my view of the universe, it has not changed anything. Well, see, I think when we get to the wrap up of this segment, we're for sure going to recount some of the ways that you establish those boundaries. Cause it sounds like you've not just from this part of the pandemic work from home, but it sounds like you've really established good boundary setting, like period as a work from home person. I haven't really clocked up my hours either, but I've witnessed a lot of my peers being way more accessible around regular office hours. And I do think it's because I was on six, you know, freaking teams meetings today. I have to get my work done. So therefore it's happening between six and eight o'clock at night. So at risk of pointing fingers at anyone's work or anything, um, my personal philosophy is like the game Mario Brothers. Stay with me for a second. Oh, I'm intrigued now. <laughs> so Mario Brothers, you jump around and you got little Koopa Troopa, Goombas walking around, fireballs, all the whole nine yards. You got, uh, you know, bottomless pits and eventually you, you'll get to the end, but you're only rewarded by another level. So what I call safe spots in, in programming. So as you're going through a level of Mario Brothers, you get to a spot where nothing can hit you You're at a safe spot. I call you that hide behind a pipe. <laughs> yes. At this point, it's probably hopefully Friday or it's five o'clock on a Tuesday. It's time to go home because we're at a safe spot. But knowing full well, when I come back to work the next day, I'm back in peril, right? I'm jumping, I'm dodging fireballs, whatnot. So my goal here is to, while I'm in peril, so while I'm working on a thing, my, my attention needs to be on the thing. When I get to a safe spot, I could then say, okay, let me check my cell phone. Let me, let me check my Slack. Let me do whatever. So my, my suggestion is, is while you're in peril, while, while Mario is jumping around, ducking and dodging, you know, turtle shells and whatnot, Bob, you're Mario, by the way, if you haven't figured it out, um, do, 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 you know, do, do. those <laughs> things like zoom or teams or whatnot should just not exist in your work in your world mario doesn't have access to those things ideally yeah. and so when you get to that safe place whether you're at the end of the level and you can slide the gear ticket to the right or you're just halfway through the, the map and you're like okay i'm not done but you know at least right now i'm to a stopping point i i can like stage these files commit commit where i'm at work in progress and then i can say okay what is it that you want to do and then as soon as you decide okay it's time to advance through the level. I'm in peril. <laughs> Shut the world out. And the only thing I need to be worried about is how much time between now and the next scheduled meeting. You know, that's how much time I have to be in peril and get to the next safe spot. Yep. Yeah. So I think the nature of my hybrid role really adds some additional uh, fireballs and turtles for sure. Um, <laughs> well, um, I'm just going to keep throwing the analogies out there. Another thing I like to say is, is programmers are all about managing complexity. 
you know, so we have all these things in code. The thing has to do this. And over time, we don't usually get less code. We get more code. And as the code grows, we, you know, it's working great and it's critical mass. Now we got to reorg and do all these things. So it's all about managing complexity in code. We should also manage these, this complexity of our, just our daily schedule. What does our schedule look like? You know, are we, are we too meeting heavy? How do we kill that off? You know, how do we say, sorry, you know, I know a lot of people who just go to their calendar and just block off time. Yeah. And I can't be that guy. You know, I, I know folks that do that and it's probably a very effective tool and it's probably 90 plus percent honesty, but some of it I think is just to make sure that they're always in a safe space or always, always able to dodge. Really, it's probably so they're always able to dodge, you know, turtles and fireballs. But, well, um, yeah, I, I don't know what the answer is because obviously it's different for everyone, but if you can. I feel like, I feel like the doctor, the doctor is in. <laughs> well, you're doing a great job with this. I mean, I think that I want you to summarize your key takeaways here. I for would sure. just say, you know, you have a work-life balance, you know, I hope, you know, we, we all strive for that, but we should also have a, uh, so that's a mix that represents a ratio of work to life. You know, we should also take each individual day and go, well, what's my meeting to productivity ratio? And yeah. And keep that in balance because, you know, when I hear oh, I had six Zoom me- or team meetings today, I can already tell you, oh, well, your your balance is out of whack there. How do you fix it? <laughs> I don't know. But that's the problem that needs solved. I can't wait to get back to you like six, ten weeks from now <laughs> when you start having to Bob, guide help, some, help. <laughs> guide some junior devs and be available to them at a moment's beck and call. Well, I don't know. I, I feel like. When, when you're in the programming work week, it's like you're on a Navy ship. You know what? We're all on the ship together. It's the analogy episode of Bob and Kevin. It is. Well, <laughs> it's funny because anyone who's ever actually like worked with me in standups, you know, every standup, I have some like off the wall analogy i'm the analogy guy you know this is like when your nose is really stuffed up and (laughs) i feel like this is a uh family guy oh yeah that was like the time that was uh yeah oh yeah and then you know going to a flashback scene here when peter is doing something ridiculous anyway um so imagine being on a navy ship i mean you're all on the ship together you can't all go to the captain and say captain i need this captain i need this you have to have that chain of command and you have to say you know what uh, you also have to have rules like this. What, you know, for question number one out of me, if somebody asked me a question, what have you tried? And if the answer is nothing, I say, all right, <laughs> hang up, call me back. <laughs> <laughs> well, so because there's, there's like a sweet spot. If you come to me right away, that's a problem. If you come to me too late, that's a problem. So something on the order of, I don't know, spend 15 to 30 minutes, you know, with your intuition, with your Googles, and then if you hit an hour and you haven't advanced to the next uh, level, Mario hasn't made it to the flag at the end. Now you need to ask for help. Because, so there, there's a kind of a gray period where you, you need to not bother anyone else only because you need to, to help yourself. We hired you to help the team, not to just say, hey, how did we do this, Bob? Bob, hey, can you tell me the answer, Bob? Hey, can you do my homework for me, Bob? You know, and I'm not picking on you or where you work. I'm just saying no, there no. comes a point where you can be like, okay, whoa, whoa. You, you need to learn and grow 
you know, a bit on your own here for everyone's benefit. And then you also need to not take a day to go, well, I've been, you know, you never want to hear, I've been working on this for a day now and I just can't figure it out. It's like, whoa, whoa, okay, hold on. <laughs> now that's just weird. You know, don't, don't be that person either. So let's look at anyway. this typo in that variable name first and see if that fixes it. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's actually encouraged to ask for help, but it's encouraged to not ask for help right away. You know, if that makes right. sense. There's you're like a give zone. Me zoom fatigue. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, great, Kevin, this is such a perfect world. I'm glad it all works out great for you always every day. Well, it doesn't, but I'm just saying, you know, I'm, I'm a very much a self-motivated person and I believe in the philosophy of, I've had a lot of philosophies in this episode, the philosophy of, if we've probably solved every single computer science problem ever already. It's a matter of you as a developer discovering or understanding what the actual problem is and discovering the answer. It exists. We're not actually creating uh, like this new concept, you as junior or senior dev aren't going, you know what? This is the first time somebody had to validate a form, <laughs> but you know what? I'm up for it. This guy right here. It's like, well, come on. This has been done a zillion times and there's a zillion solutions for it. Pick one and go with it. All right. So the net net is if, unless Kevin really likes you, don't <laughs> call him. <laughs> oh, whatever. No, I, I, I like talking to people and whatnot, you know, but that's, you know, you just have to balance. It's just the balance, you know? Yes. No, no. And I think that's, I mean, you, you mentioned in a perfect world or so great that it's so perfect for you. I, it, I know obviously everyone knows it's not, but that's how you set up boundaries and guardrails. The guard guardrails and the boundaries are for ideal situations. Yes, there's always exceptions, but you still want to set those boundaries based on what the ideal work environment is for you. What works best for you and obviously for your employer, but you know, it's a give and take, but you got to set them because if you don't, you're going to probably suffer from massive amounts of Zoom fatigue as it relates to the topic of the show. Um in the, in Do the you have anything else you want? Yeah, Go one ahead. last thing. In the military, we had this term called force multiplier. So you become a force multiplier if you can, if I, if I, and we'll go the standard Jesus parable here or whatever it is. <laughs> I don't want to give you a fish because you're just going to keep coming back to me for fish. I need to teach you how to fish. Now, I know you're not going to fish right away, but at some point I need you to be able to fish so you can do what? You can also fish for yourself and, and teach somebody else to fish. So at the end and of the that's day, the force multiplier. Yeah, we, we are. We are becoming a force to be reckoned with because we are all skilled at what we're doing over and over and we keep growing our force. So the, the goal is, um, you know, that Bob's you're just not the the well of information while it may be great for ego for all of us to be like, I had this answer. What you really want is to teach your students to become teachers themselves. And that is the true mark of a good mentor and leader to be like, you know what? I can't really teach you much anymore because I think you've, you've you're rivaling what I know. And if not gone beyond, you know, <laughs> snatch this pearl from my hand. <laughs> so, I mean, Kung Fu reference for anyone who's ideally, that's the kind of people I want to work with and people who be like, I need you to help mentor me so I can become like you, if not better. That's the kind of person I want to work with. Okay. Nothing to do with zoom fatigue, but tangentially connected. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah zoom zoom fatigue sucks all right there you go um. all right uh so you want to entertain what was behind door number one for a few minutes here hey today? bob what was behind door number one 
Well, let me let me start with a question. Kevin, are you familiar with a far-right conspiracy theory alleging that a cabal of Satan-worshipping pedophiles is running the global child sex trafficking ring and is plotting against President Donald Trump, who is battling them? No, but I bet you there's a group who's keeping all that in check for us. Right, Bob? That, that group is QAnon. Not QAnon? Or not QAnon. <laughs> it's QAnon. And actually, QAnon is not the first in the line of Anon organizations, using scare quotes for organizations. Um, it's actually part of a long list from anonymous 4chan posters such as FBI Anon, HLI Anon, High Level Insider, and CIA Anon, and WH Insider Anon. So there's a long, rich history of these high-level all-knowing cues that help share uh, also in scare quotes, important information with members of society that are based in conspiracy. So, so I've heard QAnon and I've seen the things online. And I'm just shaking my head. But what I really shake my head as I think humans by their very nature are totally into conspiracy theory. Like they're just like, Man, they just want to be validated. And conspiracy theorists comes along and go, you know, they're uh, doing sex trafficking in the basement of this pizza joint. I knew it. I knew it. I, I, you know, they, they, they burnt my pizza, but I knew they were doing more. It was sex trafficking. I knew it all along. It's just like, what is going on with people? What is going Spoiler on? Spoiler alert. The, the pizza place didn't even have a basement just for the record. Yeah. So Bob, a few episodes ago or maybe last, I don't know, in the, in the recent uh, archives, um, you had mentioned that there's something called Pizzagate and that's where yes. a group like this, maybe this group suggested. No, I, actually, I think Pizzagate was one of the original QAnon leaked conspiracies. Pizzagate. Let me ask you, Bob, I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you just to get on record. If I come to you and be like, Bob, hey, don't tell anyone, but there's this pizza joint and uh, I know you've never heard of it and it's in a far place from where you actually live, but you know what? Here's what they're doing. Blah, blah, blah. Do you just believe me? Well, I would ask you if you saw it on the internet and then when you said yes, I would say, of course I believe you. <laughs> I've been finding everything myself, on the internet is true, right? <laughs> I've Well... Like recently, President Trump had said, aha, the, the Democrats didn't say under God. They removed it from their their Pledge of Allegiance. And he tweeted that. And that becomes public record. And of course, people are like, no, that's not what happened. Here's the four nights and here's the thing. And then, of course, it comes out. Well, well the caucuses, they're the ones that didn't say it. But I know, but you, your tweet doesn't qualify any of that. It, in fact, it implies the opposite pretty sure that I read it was happening in caucuses where they did not want to single out any specific religious belief because there was a multitude of religious beliefs formed in that caucus. Whatever so. the, the reasoning is, and I go to church, full, full disclosure, I go to church every Sunday. Um, I'm, I look at that and go, come on, did that really happen? And, you know, that was my gut reaction come on now did that really happen of course it didn't take long to to do a few few googles and of course people on twitter you know oh how about this how about this but there people i think just want to believe 
that there's some shadowy force out there working against you. The deep state, right? Why? Well, yeah, no, totally. The deep state is right in there with Why? P- people, y'all need a hobby. I do woodworking and play guitar. I don't sit around on chat channels and go, hey, do y'all hear about this pizza joint? I think we need to take care of it. Kevin, you're just not very Q-woke. That's I the problem. Yes. <laughs> but the scary part is these QAnon people, I guess, have, I guess I'll use the word infiltrated some fairly high level people. Right. That famous people. We have recently elected uh, government, U.S. government officials who I think that I think we're up to three Senate seats or something like that, where they are um, on the record as believing QAnon theories um, because the the premise of Q is that Q is a high level um security clearance ranked individual like that's He's the whole concept the aliens, of aliens bob well and that or was something she. i was gonna that was <laughs> something i was gonna ask you too because we're you know we're kind of like shitting on conspiracy theories but you and i are very borderline unbelieving some conspiracy theories as it relates to aliens and alien technology <laughs> okay that, right that's fair but i think <laughs> if we go back to episode 42 do you like the episode drop there nice. if you go back to episode 42 which we're at 75 or 76 i don't know we're at 70 something right now this is 77 today okay i think you'll find that we're pretty skeptical and we we definitely disclaiming say hey you know I don't know, but it's hard not. To, of course, it's all innuendo. And it's and, and the thing that really pushes conspiracy theory is the fact that you can't disprove it or prove it. It's in that purgatory. Well, maybe some. This QAnon stuff seems pretty cut and dry. Well, I was I'm asked all the time by my kids. How do you know, dad? And I go, well, that's that's a good question, because, you know, we'll say something like, you know, dinosaurs, blah, 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 blah. Well, how do you know they existed back then, Dad? Well, uh, yeah, you're right. I wasn't there. Uh, so, so I have to be able to subscribe to science. Yeah, science. So science has a reputation. But how, how do you know that they're right, Dad? You know, you just kind of you start questioning. Oh, my gosh. They're kind of they're right. You know, it's kind of like we're just being arbitrary what we believe in based on what we want to believe. And I think that primal thought process is kind of why people believe the earth is flat in some cases. I'm like, what is going on? Well, have you ever been to space, Bob? How about you, Kevin? Then how do you know? Well, I mean, there's a lot of ways to know, but <laughs> well, I'm going to posit a different reason for how that happens to people. And I'm sure a casual listener who's made it 50 minutes into the episode is wondering, hey, I clicked on a tech podcast. Why are they talking about conspiracy theories? Well, I'm (laughs) going to posit that the reason why Flat Earth, QAnon conspiracies, pretty much any conspiracy is because social media is complicit in creating bubbles where people just parrot the same information to each other and they create um, we had an episode about this too, the different types of beliefs, right? The three different kinds. Of course, yep. I'm not remembering them off the top of my head. Personal truth, political truth, and objective truths. Are we yes. talking about that? Yes, that episode. So I think that these bubbles like Facebook and Twitter, where basically QAnon thrived and grew like a fire out of control to get us to where we are three and a half years later, um, 
you know, it's because Facebook, I mean, I joked a couple episodes ago, Facebook's got a group for everything. Well, guess what? They actually had a bunch of groups for QAnon. And recently they said that they, Twitter and Facebook both said that they purged a bunch of QAnon groups and have been enforcing some of their guidelines, but only when it relates to discussion of violence um, and um, other types of like personal acts of violence related to their, their beliefs. But I, I did a quick search on Facebook today. There are so many individuals who have labeled themselves with the QAnon label and all they are, they're just like giant um, retweets, but whatever it is on Facebook, like just shares of graphic memes that just support all these wackadoodle conspiracies. So do you think it's like a basic human psychology condition that they or even sociology, they want to be a part of a group confirmation bias, no matter, even if you're aware of confirmation bias, you're fairly susceptible to it. And then that people kind of just want to believe what they want to believe because, you know, when you look out into this universe from the, your two eyeballs, you are the center of a universe. Sorry. I've got, Hey, <laughs> sorry. I've got a noisy kid. Um, so do you understand what I'm saying there? Well, it's just like people are just giving into some of their primal instincts as humans to go. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And Oh, there's some, there's a little piece of confirmation bias on the internet. I'm going to stop looking after that. And then you know what? Yeah. I'm a smart person. That makes sense. Yeah. Let's go with it. And then they start finding each other and then they just kind of turn into this big glob of 100%, whatever. 100%. That, I mean, that goes for, you know, I mean, that's positive and negative. I mean, people want to belong and so they sign on to these things and they want to be popular with that new group they're part of. So what's one way to do that is take the messaging that that group is, you know, supporting and just yell it a little louder and bring a couple more people into the group. And all of a sudden, you know, you're part of the you're, you're no longer at the bottom of the pyramid. You're climbing your way up by pushing people underneath you. So, so if we go back to the aliens episode a little bit, what, you know, I would look at it from our perspective as people, how do you look at something? So oftentimes you'll see a ghost video or an aliens video. And most, a lot of people will say, Oh my gosh, they're real. Oh, that's amazing. And then other people will look at it and go, Hmm. Let me be skeptical about this. So it's almost like, you know, do you have the skeptical gene? Do you have the naivety gene? You know, what is your personal process of, of figuring these things out? Um, because I, I really think you see a lot of people who are just like, oh, well, yeah, I saw that on the Internet. It must be true. And then you have other people. <laughs> I like to think I'm more resistant. You know, I'm not saying I'm immune, but a lot of times I'll see something I go wait a second, that don't really smell, that passed the smell test, you know, let me corroborate this, and then, well, Kevin, what are you corroborating against? Your sources, your confirmation, by, you're right, you're, you're absolutely right, um, and really, that kind of comes down to, like, my kids, dad, how do you know? Well, you're right, I don't know, for sure, because I don't have direct evidence, so I have to take a leap of faith at some point and go, this is what I believe, and I think a lot of people are in the camp of, well, I believe we didn't go to the moon. I believe this pizza place is and Wayfair trafficking people. Well, do you know what the seminal moment of the founding of Q was? Enlighten me. A 4chan post saying that Hillary was 
going to be arrested eminently. It never happened. You mean imminently? Yet, imminently, whatever. It was going to happen. Like, it was <laughs> definitely going to happen. Eminent? No, imminent. But, um, yeah, and it never happened. But yet, the following came. I guess it's well, very similar to Flat Earth, now that you say well, that. I say actually, that you know what? It reminds me. It reminds me of the people. The world's going to end on this day. And that day comes. And everyone's like, oh, well, it's because this, the world's really going to end on this date, some future date. And then it comes and goes again. It's just like, hmm. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. But I definitely, I mean, we've talked about this a hundred million times on the show throughout 77 episodes now that, you know, obviously Facebook and Twitter have to take some responsibility for the, the non-factual nature of some of these like uprisings, these groups, but it took them. It's I mean, it's too late now, right? Well, when I put that toothpaste back in the tube, when I turn on the TV and I see a 17 year old running around with an AR 15 shooting people, I, I, and we have the police officers on tape saying, Hey, thanks for helping us. You know, just prior to that, I really think there's, there's some source, maybe many sources here, at least in America, that are definitely um, contributing in a mass way. And it's, you know, what's different? I think it's social media, for sure. 100%. Hey, actually, I had a question coming into this episode. I forgot to ask you. I'm going to ask you now. So a lot of people, and I've pondered this too. Maybe I believe this. Maybe I don't say that, you know, nothing is different with our society now than it was 20 years ago in terms of how we interact with each other. The only thing different is, yeah, I know that's a kind of a, <laughs> a bold statement. The only thing different is your, your access to that information is more readily available because of the internet. Meaning murders are the same. It feels like there may be more now or more whatever, pick something now, but it may be true that there's actually no more. You're just more aware of them. What do you think? Technically, if you're taking that example in specific, I believe that those numbers are actually all down. Um, Oof. That but, doesn't help that argument because <laughs> you're saying there's less, less all this stuff yet. It feels like there's a hundred percent more. Just right? as it really, it's as it relates to murders. Okay. Um, Violent crime in particular. I think violent crime has been experiencing a downward trend. We'd have to fact check that. But anyway, Intern. anyway, regardless of the actual factual nature of it, I do think that there are, there are current practices in place as it relates to our media consumption and our media production that can take a one and make it feel like it's a million. Yes. Uh, so, something that's happened to me in the last two weeks, I've been less Twittering, tweeting, tw Twittering. <laughs> and actually, I think it's helped a lot. So I'm fam or infamously off Facebook, if you're a listener of the show. I'm barely on Instagram. I've been a lot on Twitter, but the I'm finding a correlation that the, the less I'm on Twitter, even when I say puppies and kittens and heart hugs and hearts the less i'm on there the better because it's really hard to scroll 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 and not see just so much outrage and just internalize like all Do you know this. If there's a term for that it's called PTSD. <laughs> doom scrolling 
doom scrolling oh man yes. you know every every week there's like a new social media word that i've got to learn <laughs> so yeah i think interestingly enough like the boundaries conversation we were having as it relates to zoom fatigue i think between the two of us i probably have the better boundaries or behavioral boundaries when it comes to social media probably um, <laughs> i i know for a fact that you explore hashtags um, you explore the trending. I have never once clicked into any of those things. Cause Probably good idea. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the, the anecdotal evidence that I've, um, amassed from my friends tells me that's a bad idea. <laughs> so I've created a, a pretty good bubble on Twitter. Now on Facebook, that's a whole nother story because people that you were quote unquote friends with in the real world 30 years ago, some of them are downright shitty ass people. <laughs> yeah. And I haven't really been good at blocking them. So yeah, I get a lot more crazy in my Facebook life than I do in my Twitter life for sure. <clears throat> yeah. I, I, uh, I definitely am trying to balance the old, well, Kevin, if you get off social media, that will be better for you. Won't it? And then I also go, you know, the, the other part of my conscience is going, well, Kevin, shouldn't you want to be, informed on what's going on in your world shouldn't you be standing up for these atrocities and i go ah man and that's the rub because you can't even like say all right so you could subscribe to tech twitter you know like i'm just going to be interested in the technological aspects the, the people that are coders developers you know app purveyors whatever but even like every single like community is tainted with division fear you know all that kind of stuff you can't even get a uh, you can't even get a clean tech feed anymore <laughs> well the classic thing so scott hanselman gets every now and then hey scott enough of the political tweets blah blah Shut blah up and code yeah can you just <laughs> talk about the good stuff and then his standard reply is hey i'm a fully formed human being i, I interact in an entire society and for, I think that's a good answer, but some people want a very filtered, just show me puppies and kittens, please. Cause I, I don't want that, but I don't think we'll ever get to that. Um, from some brands, I mean, some brands play it safe. You know, I don't see Wendy's talking about black lives matter, the handle, you know, I don't see, I don't see some corporate, you know, Nike would, but Wendy's probably wouldn't, you know? And so it, it's, it's really hard to figure out which brands are going to take that on personal people, you know, heck it's anonymous. Anyway, I, I'm not an anonymous account. I, I, uh, broadcast who I am, but you get a lot of the eggs or yeah, the, blue or, eggs. or the <laughs> strange handle that it's not a real name. And cause you can be fairly anonymous on Twitter where you're talking about on Facebook, you have to be the person behind the name you know, for sure. And that makes it even more awkward because you're like, wow, Sally and Tim from high school, man, they're racist. You know, how do I, how do I get away from straight them? up racist? How do I get out of there without, you know, Oh man, look at that. They're posting videos of shooting. Oh man. You know, okay. If I unfollow them, it's not good. Maybe I can mute them. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Mute. Thank you. Facebook. I can mute, but you know what? Facebook, why don't you just help me out here and, you know, and 
suppress some of this bullshit. But, yeah, why don't you just ban those racists? But they Here, won't. There's an idea. Because no, shareholders won't. and all that want, what, number of active users, and they want to play the, oh, well, it's a free speech thing. Okay, whatever. Well, I referenced tech Twitter, right? So one of the groupings that I've started to like I was, I've been collecting over the years, basically it's, it's, it's comedy Twitter, you know, it's comedians, funny, happy go lucky people. I mean, probably a lot of them are disturbed, but actually like <laughs> even Tom Clark guests that we had on the show, right. Talked about the tech of comedy. That was probably like episode 15 or something like that. But anyway, um, very jovial person, uh, Jim Gaffigan. Are you familiar with Jim Gaffigan? Yep. Oh yeah. Um, so, you know, all these guys, uh, all these comedians, uh, Whitney Cummins, Cummings to, you know, like all those different, but anyway, comedy Twitter has taken a very dark, like, you know, uh, outing of comics. It seemed like great guys. It turned out to be dirt balls and, you know, part of the me too movement. And then, you know, just recently, even Tom has gotten hyper political because this stuff is impacting us as individuals. And, you know, he can't even be happy, funny comedian guy. And Jim Gaffigan in the last 24 hours told some lady to fuck off. LeBron James did too. Yeah. Uh, LeBron James told everybody to fuck off, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, but Jim Gaffigan who never swears in his routines, like basically got pushed to the edge of like snapping. Well, imagine being an entertainer, an athlete, something like this where, hey, we're in a pandemic, you know, part of their thought process has to be, okay, we have to shut things down for the right, you know, do the, do it right. But when you see it shut down half ass and the man at the top totally has a thousand person acceptance speech in his front yard, you know, no, doesn't follow any of the guidelines. And then he tells the CDC or I back up. I don't know that the CDC suddenly says, Oh, we don't need to test people who don't right. have symptoms guidance from the top. I think it was referred to as. Yeah. Um, so if I'm a comedian or something like that, I'm pretty upset because I'm looking at this going, you know what? To getting back to normal, it's going to take so much longer and that's affecting me both personally, professionally, everything. It's in, in fact, Jim Gaffigan might be okay, but you know what? That up and coming, comedian or the up and coming, I don't know, videographer that I have in my family who can't go to sports events, you know, you know, it affects us. And I would be really frustrated too. It's like, okay, are we taking this serious? Are we not taking this serious? I'm confused. Anyway. And social media is not helping and the media is not helping. Yeah. I, I never, honestly, I never saw it coming. I mean, Oh, George Bush might have had a Twitter. Probably not. Um, he does now. Uh, Barack Obama had a Twitter while he was president, but used it for like, you know, a few things. We have a sitting president <laughs> who does public policy and whatnot on a social media platform. Holy shit, Batman. What happened? I don't know. Uh, oh, um, do you follow President Trump on Twitter? I do. Um, I, I do. just want, I just want to hear what the what the you know right before the world ends. I want to know what the last tweet was. So yeah, that's, yes. that's usually what I want to know. But do you follow him on Facebook? Can you follow like his group or or whatnot? Is that a thing? 
I don't know if he's actually, I mean, I'm sure the White House has a page. I'm sure the Donald Trump campaign has a page. Um, I'm getting bombarded with ads lately. I mean, I know that they're advertising. Joe Biden will destroy America. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure they're, they collected a bunch of footage this past week for the, from the RNC. So I'm sure the ads will even clock up even more. Uh, All right. So I want to kind of bring this back and wrap it up since we're at the bucko six mark right now uh i think one of the big themes from today's episode boundaries we talked about it as it relates to zoom fatigue and just good work from home work-life balance kevin definitely uh had some good advice and tips on that and uh QAnon really wasn't a QAnon conversation it's just more of our piling on to the way social media and media have been handling events. But we also discussed that boundaries are probably important there. Uh, Be careful which hashtags you research and get sucked down the rabbit hole. And don't search QAnon on Facebook because that is also a rabbit hole. (laughs) (laughs) What else you got? So that's the double down on all that. So I'm a firm believer of you're in charge of your own happiness uh, when it comes to things. So Zoom fatigue, um, you know, if it's not working for you, make a change. I'm all about taking initiative. Um, Don't wait for the world to change. Um, You might just have to be the one that changes it, even though it may be difficult. And then QAnon, I think they're just yet another example of how people just want to believe what they want to believe. And that's on all sides. Um, but I, the thing with QAnon is it's, uh, I don't know, is it the new KKK? Is it the new shadow organization that's influencing politicians? I guess, um, you know, future will will reveal that. And then as we get closer to November, holy crap, that's going to feel like forever. All right. Back to you, Bob. Oh, I saw that tweet <laughs> earlier today that if you think it's felt like forever since March when the pandemic kind of kicked into full gear. Yeah. This is going to be a long three months for sure. But hey, rest assured, you can always listen to the Bob and Kevin show every week. We're going to try to remember we, we've got release. fun packs, which I'm totally inventing. Uh, we don't have a uh, signature tinfoil hats yet because I think at one point we <laughs> talked about like, what's our thing, you know? Yes. tinfoil hats but we actually don't have any of those so but you can make one at home if you want i can send you a pdf on how to make one but if you'd rather have something more tangible um get a hold of us i can get you a coaster a sticker a magnet maybe all three if you're really nice enough right we should tweet out that pdf on how to make a tinfoil hat i bet you we get a lot of traction with that yeah <laughs> i think right, uh, everyone I think, have well one one last thing Kyle, friend of the show, I believe he he mentioned that we should rename the podcast one day to the Tinfoil Hat Brigade. I uh, don't think that we're going to do ago, that, right? Yeah, that was a while ago. No. I don't think we, but I think we need to start like coming up with like nicknames for our listeners, like Tin Hatters or or something like that. So think about it. If you got a suggestion, let us know. I want you all to be known as loyal fans. How's that? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think our listeners are just, you know, gluttons for punishment. So <laughs> Your, yours is more catchy. <laughs> All right, everyone. Have a great week. We'll be back at you next time. See ya. Bye. Hey, have you ever wondered how you can get in touch with us at the Bob and Kevin show? Well, first... 
You can try us via email at comments at bobandkevinshow.com. Or are you more into social? If so, you can find us on Twitter at Bob and Kevin Show. Or on Instagram as Bob N. Kevin Show. That's Bob, the letter N, Kevin Show. And if you're still on Facebook, you can even find us at facebook.com slash Bob and Kevin Show. And for the serious business fans, you can even find us on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash company slash the dash Bob dash Kevin dash show. How's that for a handle? Let's connect. 